Hi, I'm Eileen Mogus. I'm a coach, facilitator, and public speaker. And I'm Daphne Tsanko Kasambala, former banker, entrepreneur, and mentor. We're longtime friends and African women in the diaspora, talking to women like us about the things that matter to us. And this is Soulfully Podcast. So, Eileen, here we are. Yeah. It's the penultimate episode of Series 1 of Soulfully Podcast. I thought that we could um, take a look at some of our recordings. I know that we have one more episode coming up, and it's going to be a banger. It's amazing. Yes, it um, but just looking back at, over some of the guests that we've had in our first episode, whom I'd, I'd love to thank anyway, because they took a leap of faith with us. They literally yep. came in on the promise of just our, I suppose, our enthusiasm on the potential that we presented them and they were ready to sort of roll up their sleeves and get involved. And one of the things I've loved the most is hearing back from our early adopters, our early listeners, hearing their feedback on each, yeah. one, each one of our episodes. That's been utterly amazing. It's been validating and it's been uplifting to know that you know, one of our objectives was to, to have conversations that felt like you're sitting around the dinner table. And a lot of people unsolicited have come and said, said that to us. They've said it yeah. felt like I was eavesdropping on a, on a conversation, a nice, easygoing conversation around, around, the su around supper. And that's been fascinating. And I'm, I'm saying it once now, I'll say it again. Please keep that feedback coming. And if you do know anybody who you think would be a wonderful guest for us to interview, let us know. But especially tell people that you know would enjoy listening to our voices and listening to the experiences that we share on the podcast. Yeah. Please spread the word and be our ambassadors. Just the thing that gets me is in, you know, in every episode where we've spoken to people, um, we've had a guest. What's amazed me is the breadth of their stories. You know, mm. we, we, we know so little about each other, don't we? We even mm. if we think we know each other, when we sit down and really listen to people's stories, that that is all incredible. You yeah, know, it's yeah. it, it's it's just beautiful how how the women we've spoken to are navigating the world and bringing their gifts and their strengths and their humanity to this world and um and how that uplifts if we can look at each other in that way instead mm -hmm. of looking at each other in judgment you know mm. if we can look at each other in, with curiosity and interest and yeah. value it's amazing what we can learn it's amazing how we can grow it's amazing how we can champion and cheer for each other and what about the fact that there's so much that we share in terms of our experiences mm. our experiences might not be exactly the same but each and every one of our guests ha gave us a story about rising up from adversity having challenges some of which i think we we assume that we're the only ones having um and yet yeah seeing how each each one in their own way 
was able to use the experiences, use the challenges and the difficulties and turn them around into a positive experience for others. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think it's amazing. It's that whole thing of beauty for ashes, isn't it? Sometimes we look and we see uh, our situation, we see something that's so terrible and we think... Well, this is this is terrible. I'll never, I'll never. It will never be any good. You know, this part of my story will always be bad. This part of my story will always be negative. This part of my story is going to um, cast a lens over the rest of my life. And sometimes we can live at that point, right? We stay there at the point of saying, "I've failed in something," or "I am not um, good enough," or "I have whatever," and we stay at that point. Um, But I think what 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 the guests all showed is like. The, the choice to not stay at that point and to say, actually, I am going to take this situation and turn it into something good. And that's a real decision point, isn't it? it is. I think it was, yeah, I think um, uh, the story, which is still to come about the crossroads and literal crossroads, um, <laughs> you know, where we, we reach crossroads in our life and we're like, well, which way are we going to go? Are we going to follow the voice of you're not good enough, you can't do this, you should, mm. you know, you should back down, just, you know, um, stay stay in your stay lane. Put. Stay put, stay in your lane, you know, calm down. Or are we going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to turn it into something positive. I'm going to harness everything I've learned from this and I'm going to create and I'm going to give it away in whichever way that looks like, you know. And it looks like many different things. It looks like exactly. so many different things. And there's so many different talents. I mean, who would have... When, when, when you chart the journeys of our guests, you look at people who started out studying biology or chemistry and ending up being hair activists and people who studied yeah. international development yeah. ending up being in IT and various... Just that It's like all of us, each and every one of us without exception, has has had has meandered to where we are now and that's that's been refreshing because and and none of us are done yet we're we're not done yet well Um, i hope not i hope (laughs) not i mean i i have an intention of living a very long life and i think for me my late 30s you know 40s have been the best bits right Nobody, you know, people say that, but it really, there, there is a freedom. And I just imagine the older I get, the, the more I will know how Ooh. to be in this world mm-hmm. in a way that is authentic to who I am. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I don't want to, to sort of say, all right, I've got 10 more years to crack this thing and then I'm <laughs> going to lie down. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm going to lie down. It's done. It's over. No, it's like, what an adventure. You know, we've got the rest of our lives to just perfect being ourselves. Yeah. Not to be perfect, but just perfect being ourselves. Oh, wow. I like that. Perfect being ourselves. I'm going to ruminate on that. I I also find that um, I'll, I'll go and have a think about that. Lovely thing about growing older as well is getting wiser. And I know it's such a cliche to say you get wiser. The other day I was just on my own, in my own mind, in my own thoughts. And I was like, what is wisdom? Because I'm like, I know I'm wiser, definitely. What is wisdom? 
And I found that for me, my definition of wisdom is no, having confidence in your gut feeling or having mm. confidence in your predictions. Because for, for the longest time, I would think that something would happen or I would think that this would be the likely outcome of a situation. And then time would pass and the my predictions were correct. And then I started nice. thinking, hold on a minute. I'm getting really, really good at this. And I realized that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing better. It's literally just knowing better and having the confidence in your knowledge, having the confidence in the experience to be able to advise yourself, advise others, or even just take mm -hmm. actions based on what you already know. It's, it's lovely. Yeah. And I think, and I think that, thing with that is that there's like an alignment right because wisdom knowledge in and of itself I know a lot of very intelligent fools to be honest you know you can be really intelligent and really well educated and not be wise yeah because just having information and knowledge does not make us wise mm -hmm. and that and I think that's a you know to understand how to best use that knowledge and information in the world which i think comes a lot of the time from experience mm -hmm. um although i have met some incredibly wise young people it's mm -hmm. like looking at how can how does this knowledge actually play out what are the ripple effects what are the long-term um consequences not just in one area you know i think you know when we look at when we look at things with wisdom, we look at things holistically. We look at things in completion. We look at things to benefit more than just a single agenda. We look at things um, with a broad sense of, of compassion, generosity, um, and understanding and wow. knowledge, right? So we have to actually understand. And I think a lot of the time, we enter into situations, you know, that saying, you know, um, where angels fear to tread, we rush into situa situations with our knowledge yeah. and we speak before we understand. We don't actually have any wisdom. There's this story in the Bible, which I particularly like, and it talks about um, a prophet who comes and he, and he sits and it says, and I sat where they sat for three days. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think for me, that is wisdom is when we sit in silence, we shut up, we don't create judgment, we don't speak into situations, we sit and we understand, we sit where they sat, right, we sit mm. where they sit, mm. we experience what they experience, and we see it mm. from their perspective mm. before we speak. That part, that part, because I, I knew there was a piece missing about the whole knowing the, the with the knowingness must come empathy and compassion yeah and i think that's where the intelligent fool piece comes in because you can know everything but if you are yeah. fully inward focused and you are not empathizing and you're not picking up on the others around you and the others experiences then well what use are you what yeah. use are yeah. you to anyone Wow. So <laughs> I like that. What use are you? What, what use are you? What have you done for me lately? <laughs> again, again. I think that I think that should be our theme song. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, you know, I mean I hope, you know, um, there's one of my desires is to be able to walk the world in wisdom. And 
I think that what you're saying, that empathy is a big thing. And, you know, a lot of the times I'm not wise, obviously. And every now and then, mm. and I do think with age, you become wiser. But I think you can also become more entrenched and more ignorant with age because <laughs> it's not a given that just because you're getting older, you're getting wiser, right? You can be entrenched in old patterns yeah. um, and old ways that actually just... You, you might have more experience and so you may be able to yeah. speak into things, but also you could just become ignorant. We're like making, really ignorant I think, and out of touch. I think we're, we're putting together the building blocks of a, of, a, of a wiser and better person because at the end of the day, all of this also must come with growth, must come with curiosity yes. and growth because there are things I believe yes. now that I did not believe. I mean, there are things going oh on within, within our society right now that I had different views on. Um, when I was yeah. 20, 30 years old. So if we're not growing and we're not learning, and as you said, there are some very, very wise young people and there's some new things coming up generated by the younger generations that we, we must learn from. Otherwise, again, we, you know, our, our knowledge becomes useless or it goes against progress. Um, yeah, and I think there's one thing I remember hearing someone say, I, I can't remember who it was, I don't remember where I heard it, but um, I heard someone say, tradition is our ancestors' peer pressure. Mm -hmm. And I loved that because it's the idea that people are like, yes, but this is our tradition. Now, there's a difference between culture and tradition, right? Let's, and, and there might be aspects of culture that are traditional yeah. and therefore do apply to this. But I think... Um, sometimes we get so stuck in what is traditional and therefore because mm -hmm. it's traditional, it must be correct. Mm. It must be the truth. And actually when we unpack it, I love it. Well, that was just peer pressure. Our ancestors peer pressure. Yeah. You know, that was the loudest voice because... at that time. Yes. And now we're stuck to it. We've got to unwed ourselves. We have you to. Know, and set ourselves free. When, when, it, when interrogated and when asked, why are we doing this? The only, if the only answer is it's because it's tradition, then the red flags should start going off immediately. Yeah. Because you know that there's and no I think that, explanation. And I think that's exactly what you said about wisdom is curiosity, right? Mm. Curiosity. I think you see that when people are curious, when when you engage with things with just curiosity, like that's really interesting. Let me understand. Mm. Let me be curious about the hows and the whys and the and the what. Yeah. Um, and question things. Yes. It allows for it creates space. It's like when you're when you're growing a garden, which I cannot do. I I, I am not a gardener, but you know you have to air. Apparently, you have to like air the soil, right? So you have to before you put seed down, you have to, you know, air the soil. I, I was trying to find a technical term, but I don't know what. Aerate it. it. You know, basically, I think. To... I mean, we're talking to another. <laughs> okay, maybe very poor gardener. Gardening. Novice. I grow plants and but pots. you know that's all I do. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. I have, yeah, I'm, uh, even that I'm not very good at. I have one orchid that has survived two years, I just want to say, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you you literally, you, you know, you, you you use a fork and you undo the, the 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 soil, you loosen it up, you get air and water in. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes we, we're so solid, you know, we're so solid in our thinking and so um, convinced that we're right and so convinced what we believe and now and the people we choose to agree with believe um, that we, we we are we're like rock we're like stone yeah nothing can penetrate that. nothing can nothing penetrate. can penetrate nothing new. and nothing can and grow. you cannot nothing grow. new absolutely and you cannot grow Listen. you're just a lump of rock 
Eileen, I'm sure I'm not the only yes. one who's who's getting your coach vibes coming through today. You're on your kind of coach coach train. Your coach train. Well, you see, but it's really interesting. It's really interesting. So this is one of the things with coaching that I think is very different um, from friendship, right? Or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, because when you when you're coaching someone, you don't give advice, mm-hmm. right? Because this is the thing I think with with friendship. And when you chat to people, you're like, oh, let me call you up and get your advice. Now, you call me up and you ask for my advice. I'm going to tell you what I think you should do. Right? I'm going to tell you from my perspective, from my outlook onto life, what I think is best for you. And I think a lot of the time, that's how we operate in the world. We think, I will tell you Mm. what you need. And realistically, you know, and that's again, it's a judgment, isn't it? Mm. It's like, if you did it this way. Mm-hmm. Like I was just shut up. You don't know how someone else should do live their life or how they should do their things, right? And and, and I mean, you know, obviously, you know, we we give each other advice all the time, but we that's do. part of the difference with coaching. Is coaching is not about advice. Coaching is about unearthing and un you know and mining. So it's the the it's the awareness that the person you are speaking with, so my client, in innately know what they need you see that's the thing okay uh, listen i i guess i um, i need to know more about this because is that really always the case that your clients when you're coaching somebody they always know they always know or even from a therapist's point of view um i'm really into therapy i'm and i i i watch you know in treatment and I watch all these therapy shows and I listen to the actual real professional therapists on on a lot of podcasts and stuff because the internal um, universe interests me a lot and Mm. I just find that sometimes I'm listening to some of the clients and I'm thinking this person just tell them this person is clueless they don't have a clue (laughs) Um, but yeah talk Talk to me about that. Well, okay. Firstly, therapy and coaching are completely different. So let's not, I am not a therapist. I am not qualified to be anyone's therapist. I am not qualified to diagnose anything (laughs) as a psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist. I am not, right? Right. I am not a therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, And there will, I have had situations where I have had a client who actually needs therapy and they don't need me. Okay. And very early on when I was coaching, I crossed some lines without real, without oh. really understanding. And then at some point you're like, Oh, wait a minute. This is not, this is not my, where I'm supposed to okay. be. So I'm very, very clear with that. If you need therapy, go to a therapist, go to a professional. Got it. Um, when you ask me, because so most of the people who come for coaching, mm-hmm. who actually want to be coached, they are ready. Ah. Right. Because coaching is it, it it's a lot of the time people come because they want change. They actually mm. want change. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to do things differently. What they think they come for and what they are actually in need of are often different. So, for instance, people come with a very clear sort of like, this is what I want. I want you to coach me. <laughs> to um um to earn a higher salary okay i want you to coach me to find a partner now those things are end goals to a degree 
But in the coaching, we, we can start to look at, is that what you really want? And that's the unearthing. And a lot of the time, if people come with three very clear goals, yeah. within a few sessions, those goals have shifted because we've gotten in touch a lot of the time with what they really want. So when you ask me, do they really know? Mm. Innately, mm -hmm. I think we do know. But I think we have covered up what we know, in, what we innately know and desire and value and believe. We've covered that up with so many layers of we shoulds. Okay. I should, I must. Um, we've eroded our sense of self-confidence um, through, you know, whatever it mm -hmm. is, you know, our families, our backgrounds, our education, our yes. so the society, tradition, all of that has, has a lot of time eroded our sense of self. And I think when we, um, when, when we are allowed to really self-investigate, and when I say people are ready, it means mm. that they're also ready to self-reflect. Okay. Because you can't really change without self-reflection because what are you changing i've got a question now, again you're putting on another performance yes ask i need you question. to rewind and tell me whether people really come to you and say could you coach me to find a husband and coach me to get to earn more money yes no oh. because look it's, it, it, it depends what people's experiences right so if you are um you know like if you're in your late 20s and you're single and you um you know, and you've you've been on the dating scene and you're and nothing's happening and you desire a relationship, then you're like, okay. help me. Okay. Somebody help me. <clears throat> and it's fair. a very valid thing. So what mm. so what I what I find is that depending on who you're coaching. So when I was younger and I was coaching younger people, yeah. I, I very I mean I did coach people who are a little bit older than me, but mm -hmm. most of the time I tried to coach people who I had more experience in. Sometimes it was just more wisdom, you know what I yeah. mean? But, you know, I, you, you kind of, I don't, I, I, you know, uh, when I trained to be a coach, I didn't want to coach someone who had lived 20 years longer than me and had a much vaster array. Although over time, I've become even more confident with that okay. because, I, this, because I think, again, it's innately who they are mm. that comes mm. out. But, you know, of course, when we people come because they 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 feel a lack mm. in their life or an unfulfilled what they perceive as a need. Yeah. So, you know, that shifts from, you know, coach me. I want a relationship mm -hmm. to when I, when I'm coaching um, women who have the relationship and have the children. A lot of the time it's coach me because. I need to change something in my career. Yeah. I need to change something. And then it's looking at, in both cases, mm -hmm. what is the underlying needs? Yeah. What are the things that you've let go of? What have you, what, what of yourself has been compromised or abandoned mm. or undervalued? And, and then it's helping. So, you know, you've got a family, the thing that you really wanted, and you've got your partner, but actually you still feel very unfulfilled and very, okay, so okay. what's going on mm. there? What's going on there? Yeah. And, and helping people uncover, uncover that. Um, and I do think, yeah, there are people who I think are completely disconnected from themselves, mm. and I've coached people who are completely disconnected from themselves. But given the right questions, yes. people begin to connect. So... I think you also have to work at where people are. Mm. Meet them right? where they are. So when I speak, meet them where they are. Oh. So don't assume. A few years ago, I, I decided I was going to take everything that I had learned with coaching yeah. and I was going to put together a course. 
-hmm. And so I did that. I put together a nine week course with everything I had ever learned and understood. And because I was just like, you know what? Everybody needs the tools, Mm -hmm. right? So I did this. Anyway, I actually, you know, it was, it was great, but the feedback I got was it was too much. It was just too much. Cause it's like, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you take somebody who's just starting to eat and feed them steak? Yeah, I can imagine it must be, another analogy might probably be like, I want to get fitter. And then you go to the gym and your personal trainer's like, okay, we're doing Kung Fu. Here's 150 kilos. Uh, javelin and shot put exactly oh i see exactly exactly so that was a bit that was a big thing for me and i think i i mean at one point i'll I'll revisit and Mm -hmm. and look at you know creating you know stepping stones because you don't you know you know you've got to help people get there um in a way that that is sustainable Mm, as well and is transformational because i wanted to say like full disclosure um at one point um several years back I was one of your, um, what is it? What is it? Coaches? Guinea pigs. Guinea pigs. That's the, that's Guinea the one. Guinea pigs. <laughs> well, but you were actually, when I was training, were, yeah. I think I was training, yeah. I was training and I had to get um, mm-hmm. experience because I wouldn't coach a friend now. I wouldn't okay. do that. Um, because I know you too well, yeah. but then it was, it was, it was different. And, um, I, um, it was a very good that. experience I for to... me and hopefully for Yes, you. I I'm scarred for life uh, in the sense that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That is, that's the scarred testimonial I'll put on my um, information. <laughs> in, in, the sense, in the sense that at the time that you came to me and said, I'm looking for subjects, test subjects, I was going through a, an extremely tumultuous, tumultuous time in my career. I was extremely stressed and mm. that's something we've got to talk about in a future episode, but I was very, very stressed. I just could not manage my load that I was carrying. I was, my kids were young. Yeah. I had a proper full-time demanding, you know, job with responsibilities. And I just could, I was so, so, so stressed. And I have to tell mm. you the tools that you gave me at that point, and we really just focused on those and the tools that you gave me and including visualization tools, by the way, which, and that was the beginning of my journey into visualization, which I still do, literally was doing it right. this morning. But the tools that you gave me were so effective. I still use them to this day. And it kind of changed the way that that's I approach really nice it. Yeah. That's really nice to know. Um, not just blowing. But, and I think that's it. the thing. I think that's the thing. There is a transformational aspect. There should mm. be. Um, there should be a transformational aspect. I, I, but I think... For there to be transformation, you have to really mine and you have to really analyze and self-reflect on what am I, what is the lens through which I am currently mm-hmm. living life? I, what are my, my belief systems? What um, thoughts have I inherited? Mm. What, what ways am I being that actually don't fit yeah. who I truly am? You know, what are, so when, when people are living life through a particular belief system that doesn't actually align with their true values, there's going to be a sense of un- uh, disalignment. Yeah. And I think that is a lot of the time what happens, what I experience with clients is actually is trying to figure out how do I align who I innately Mm -hmm. am with what I am doing how I am 
how I am living um, and then how to get, you know, so, you know, what, who am I really? What are my values? Yeah. You know, what actually motivates me? What are my needs? Mm. And then how do I really want to live? Okay. And, and are those things, is that really happening with the belief systems that I have, that I am living out of And now? by belief systems, can I, can I just ask you to clarify? Because I think I'm trying to relate what you're saying to, to me. And I think that one of the belief systems that I've had to kind of struggle against is the mm. African, <laughs> African, the, the, the expectations we put on ourselves as African women. Um, my mother yeah. um, trained, so she trained in a profession. She was a teacher, and then later on, she she worked in you know in in companies. And but her whole thing throughout that whole time was, you must be. I'm training you up to be a wife, a mother, and a professional. You know, that was one of the, yeah. my, you know, we we talk yeah. about it all the time. So, so so then you look. So then you look at that, and you're saying, all right, so that's that's the function of a belief Ooh. system but but with that what does that say about your value okay do you right how how do you become valuable Ooh. what makes you okay. valuable you are valuable when you are able to fulfill this criteria Ooh. and so if you are not fulfilling that criteria you you I'm are not failing valuable. i'm failing you're failing Ooh. so yeah, so if you're saying you, you you failed because you haven't fulfilled that criteria, mm -hmm. but actually not only have you failed, it means that you're not good yeah. enough, you're not valuable, right? So then if say you're say you are single, mm -hmm. right? And you you have this criteria of what it is to be valuable, and your desire is to be in a loving yeah. relationship. But ultimately, because you're not fulfilling this criteria, you feel you're not valuable. Mm. Therefore, you're not lovable. Right. Right. So you want one thing, but your internal dialogue is denying you of it because of something you believe. I'll give you a, a, an easier okay. example. Someone comes and says, I want to I want to make more money yeah. at work. I want to I want a higher mm -hmm. salary. But their belief system is. The love of money is the root of evil. Oof. Yeah. Right? And if, <laughs> forget, maybe, and the thing is, even that is the love of money is, is different, but people, people don't even say the love of money. money. They say money is the root money of evil. Money is. Right? So mm. now that is what you personally, deeply, if we were to unpack it, that's actually what you yeah. believe, that money is the root of all evil. Now, do I want to be evil? No. And, and as much as you... As so, much as you, your conscious mind is telling yourself, yes, I want a higher salary because, you know, the work I do demands it. Yeah. If, if something is sitting there, a little voice in the back of your head, deep in your subconscious is reminding you that mm, that's not good. Yeah. And I think it's I think also it's looking at with integrity. When I say integrity, I don't mean, you know, personal integrity, which is one thing, but I mean integrity with all things being integrated. So in alignment, okay. right, with your values, your beliefs, yeah. and the way mm. you live, with that sort of integration, I think what happens as well is it's not just your mind. So, you know, as a man thinks, so yes. is he. But that is one thing, but it's also as a man thinks in his yeah. heart. Right. So it's not just your head that has to be in alignment. It has to be your heart, i.e. your emotional mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. 
right? And sometimes we get so stuck in our heads and how, what should, what could, but we're not actually aligning. There's no um, coherence with our hearts. So our head is over here somewhere saying, this is how I should be. Our heart is over here somewhere yeah. else. And, and so there's no alignment mm. with that. And then, and then we've got the voices, the external voices. And so basically we're just yeah. chaotic. There's just so much chaos or, you know, the, 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 a double-minded man, you know, will never succeed. Mm. You've got your feet in both worlds, yeah. right? You're double-minded. And that doesn't mean that you're, you're hypocritical or, you know, you're just not aligned. Yeah. And so it's helping, it's helping saying, all right, how do I align myself? But first I need to know who I really yeah. am, right? I need to know what I actually think. I need to know what I actually believe. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then with that, once I know what I think and I believe, I need to see if I'm living according to that. Once I know what I really value and what I really need, am I actually living in accordance And then is there, there, there must be a process as well of saying, okay, here are my values and now I am rationalizing that these are values that, that no longer serve me, that no longer work for me. But I need to go through a process of purging the values from my belief system. Is that... Is that Okay, so this is this is I think that I think there's a two different things. I think it, when we begin to investigate what our true yeah. values are versus the, the lens in which we're op operating from, mm -hmm. right? So, and I think that's the unearthing. So, you know, if for instance, I know I want to make money, uh, I want to have a good job, um, I need to have a good job. It's something I need, and I need to make money, and I need to pay my bills, I need to ensure, and that's something that I do value. Yeah. Right. Uh, actually, you know, I value having that. It's important to me. Um, but I also value um, integrity. I value honesty and I value transparency. Mm -hmm. Right. These are these are all. So I value the security of a, of a good, you know, a, an income. Security is normally the thing or freedom. That's normally mm -hmm. what the values are. Security, freedom, you know, and, and, and we associate that with finance. Yes. But then I also value um, integrity and transparency and, and, and vulnerability. And then I get a job working in a sales company that mm -hmm. I can earn a lot of commission over getting people to hand over their pensions mm. unknowingly, mm -hmm. right? What's going to happen then is... I am out of alignment. My values are out of alignment because I value transparency, but I'm lying to get the other value <laughs> fulfilled, right? And so you're never going to feel well yeah. within yourself. You are never going to have peace. So it's not so much getting rid of those values it's a, because those values are who you are. So you can value security and integrity and line them up into a work position or a relationship or a Whatever it is okay. that's, that actually suits okay. them. So then maybe I'm just categorizing things wrongly because for me, I've had to go through a process and I believe in, like, I've, I'm a keen, keen practitioner of continuous personal development. And so mm, mm. I have had to mm, reassess and reprioritize those values that I was talking about, the whole... I can be, yeah. and you know, can't have it all. The whole, the whole myth that I can be excellent at being domestic, a mother, a career person, and then yeah. and 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 all of those things. So 
yeah, then yeah. what where I'm at right now is there are things I can be good at, but it's not possible. I'm gonna work my fingers to the bone if I try and do all of those things. Yeah. So those I guess are not yeah. values, those are maybe beliefs about what, what I believe in. I think they're beliefs. I think they're yeah. beliefs. And I think we have to because I think our core being is it, so so when you say do people innately innately know? I think if you, people live a lot of the time in the um superficial aspect of their of their personality and their character mm-hmm. right we live at, to a level superficially in the way we engage with the world and i think if we are to really self reflect and really get in touch with who we are we will find so when i when i wrote the program one of the things that i i felt um was really key was ungrowing up i called it ungrowing up um and people had a really negative response to it which was interesting the reason i called it ungrowing up was because i i feel like when children come into this world they come in in the perfect form of who they are they are perfect and then we mess them up they we grow them up <laughs> in a way that they then, when they come to a coach like me, they've got to shed all of that stuff, right? And I think that's what I saw. I saw so many people were reconnecting with their deep longings mm. from that they've always had, that they've always known, that they and they've pushed mm. it away. They've grown up. They've been told to put away childish mm-hmm. things. The problem is they're not childish, mm. right? There's a difference between being childish and being childlike. Yeah. And I think... Being childlike is entering the world with an absolute sense of belonging and purpose mm-hmm. and freedom. Okay. It's being who you truly, truly are. And and then you're told, no, 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 don't talk like that. No, no, mm. no, don't walk like that. No, 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 don't behave like that. No, 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 you have to be this. You have to be that. You have to be this. Yeah. You have to be that. And then you start your, your, your sense of st- self starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And you've aligned yourself with somebody else's idea of how you mm-hmm. should be. Somebody else's idea of what it looks like to be successful. Somebody else's idea of what it what it is to to be a good mother a good mm. wife a good career woman a good and none of that is who is come out coming out of yeah. you is coming out from you does it mean we don't learn from all that no it doesn't that's another story but none of it is coming out of you so you're you're adapting yourself to mm-hmm. all these other things rather than adapting them right. to you and so you're out of alignment. And so when I said, you know, ungrowing up, that's what I meant. It's like shedding all of the restrictions that the grown up, quote mm-hmm. unquote, you is supposed okay. to have and living in a sense of freedom, right. you know. And I think that's ultimately, I think when we are truly released to be mm-hmm. ourselves, when, and most of the time it's us releasing mm-hmm. ourselves, when we truly do that, it's very hard not to walk in love compassion empathy yeah it's very hard not to because you're not trying to prove a point you're not trying to you're not jealous of anyone you're not you're not um you're not insecure you you know and so you can have i can hear our mascot sherlock in the background but um isn't that isn't that a wonderful thing that we've come almost full circle to what we said about growing older and the fact that i think growing older gives you a free should it should give you a sense of freedom it should give you a sense of 
of freedom release and free you from some of those social yeah. binds that keep us from behaving one way or another and it gives us that you know carefree attitude and the ability to go and discover new things um but eileen yeah. one of the things that i'm sure you also dealt with is this thing that keeps cropping up in our conversations which is imposter syndrome um oh gosh yeah i know i had it listen so yeah so now here's the thing and you challenged me a lot because you said physician yeah. uh. because i'm really really good at recognizing other people's brilliance like I fall in love with people. I I just think people are amazing. I mean, I don't always like them. You know, like I don't like people. You and I were, were digressing on that. I'm thinking, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, but generally, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I can I can I can stand in awe of somebody I never want to have, to have tea with, you know. They're never going to be my friend, but I can I have a deep appreciation of other people's brilliance and I I don't necessarily have that same appreciation for myself. Mm. And that is true. So I, so in that imposter syndrome, and I think part of my thing is one of my values is in, integrity. Okay. So anywhere where I have felt I haven't fulfilled that, I have a, if you imagine a straight line, there's a chip, you know, mm -hmm. it's chipped. Um, and as I've gotten older and I'm practicing self-compassion, I am, I am, I would say I'm healing that side of myself and, and maybe functioning better with that. But because of that, I have definitely struggled greatly. Mm. And Aline, let me tell you, greatly. I've only ever... Can I just say, I'm so, I apologize for Sherlock's heavy breathing. He hasn't walked today, so he's panting at me. Like, come on, mother. Listen. Sorry, um, carry on. You've only ever... I've known you for, I think we've said that we've known each other for over 30 years now. And this is the first time you and I actually like working, working together. So we've been at this for over a year, um, working around the podcast. And it's the first time I've ever sort of um, had exposure to or seen you expose that, that sense that you're describing. Because from afar, you... Yeah, because I'm really good at masking. So good at you had me fooled. You definitely had me, mm. and and for a while I was like, mm. why are we, why are we still kind of planning? Because unlike you, I will. Yes, I've had imposter syndrome, but once I'm convinced of, it takes me a long time to get convinced of to do something, and then once I'm all in, once I'm in, I am one hundred percent all in, and I just want to 100%. do it. Let's just do it. So yeah. there was that whole friction between me saying, let's just do it, and you your imposter syndrome manifesting as a let's get it perfect and i'm like yeah. it'll never be perfect let's just go ahead yeah. and do it until finally we yeah it came to me the realization that oh my gosh yeah she, there's something a bit more than just <laughs> let's get things right here yeah yeah and i think and i think you're really right and, and and i think also because for me working with other people and mining with them i can do at the drop of the hat i don't have to think about that right i don't have to think about well maybe i do maybe i do but you know, it's much easier for me than putting myself mm. out there. And so, you know, what you, you know, what you, yeah, and what you learn about yourself. And I think that's the thing, you know, where they say, you know, feel the fear and yeah. do it anyway. There's a real part of that in overcoming any sort of imposter mm. syndrome. It's like, it's okay to feel yeah. the fear. It's okay to, I mean, I tell my daughter that all the time, it's okay that mm -hmm. you're afraid. 
it doesn't mean mm. you shouldn't do it now you know so i'm really good at helping other yeah. people but not necessarily i think i'm getting better but i'm not necessarily very good at just mm. doing it myself mm. You know, and I can I, I mean, we could spend a whole session just and I could tell you why, but I don't think the why matters, you know, which I think is part of the thing with which is much more therapy. Yeah. Why, why, why? I know Ooh, why I do okay. know why. But I do think as well that at some point you you make a yes. choice to change your thinking because it's the power of a lot of the way you think and feel. Yeah, no. And you can you can just stay in some sort of stagnant yeah. place. With that. I, I did my, um, did a little bit of research about in, imposter syndrome. And, and one of the things when you talk about the why, um, for the benefit of, of our listeners, they talk about how, um, of course it's defined as feeling of fear and self doubt, feeling like a fraud, even in the face of success. And mm. actually paradoxically, it is not the ones who, are the least competent who feel imposter syndrome. It's actually overachievers and highly competent people who, who this also is, this is the thing. This is always the thing. It's no, but I think that's a big part of imposter syndrome. I think if you don't know that you don't mm -hmm. know, you don't have fear, mm. right? So that's why you find people who really are rather rubbish at yeah. doing things, doing lots of things, <laughs> right? Really ignorant. And and you're like, how come? Yeah, yeah, you know, the blissfully ignorant. And it's like, how come, you know, because they're just like, they're like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. What I can do. And and people who know that they can't, or that they they don't know something in entirety, or that it's like, that's when you're like, oh, I actually know mm, how this can be done. So, uh, you know, I actually know that I can't do the whole thing. I actually know that I'm not, yeah. you know. And so I think that's a really big thing yeah. of the blissfully did you know, Eileen, that black women disproportionately suffer from imposter syndrome? And mm, I believe it. And it's because of the baggage we carried, previous discrimination at work, being excluded through life, mm -hmm. having negative conditioning, i.e. as women. It's like not just a double or triple whammy. It's, it's women being African, maybe being immig mm -hmm. immigrants, just like you and me, being black having a culture that is other, even the accents. Um, and it leads to a lot of things yeah. like code switching and, and all. not that code switching is a negative thing, yeah. but anyway, I was just curious to see that it's, it's, it's a particularly black woman problem, this imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it can be with anybody, mm. but that it is exaggerated with black women. I completely understand that mm. and believe that. And I'm sure, I'm sure if you, if we looked at it as well, it's probably minority yeah. groups. Mm. Um, ethnic minorities, you know, be it from India living mm -hmm. in the UK, be it from Asia, you know, like actually probably it would be very interesting. There must be gradients. And, you know, it, it always goes back to, you know, the black woman is an, on, 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 the, on the pecking scale is generally yeah. the lowest, even though probably that could very often be the highest performer. Mm. Mm. And so then, so then it's also then the things we believe about ourselves, you know, just a, just a, a small story, and this is this isn't my only why, but this is one of the stories from my life. I remember, um, I must have been about eleven years old, or twelve years old, and I was in I was in a classroom at a school, and the teacher asked me to help her, and I, she was a white she was a white lady, and I don't know that it was racist. Mm -hmm. I don't know, um, but she asked me to help her get some books 
from um, the cupboard for the kids to the rest of the class. And I went in with her and I was always a chatter, you know, I was always a chatter. And we went into the cupboard. This woman now, when I look back, she must be in her 20s, which is shocking to me. She shut the door behind me. She turned around. She put her finger in my face and said, you will amount to nothing in your life. You, you will never, nothing ever good is going to happen. And I, and, oh, and wow. so you're just thinking, all right, at that point, and I remember just being really shaken, but then I was, I was a bit of a like, whatever Ooh. kind of kid. But at the core of me, so now when you've had those messages repeated that blatantly or subtly, you know, which a lot of microaggressions mm. are, you begin to internalize it. So no matter how well you perform, you don't think, right? Um, so, is, you know, and, it, and there's a lot. Goodness. Okay, that, that's just shocking. What had you done? Just, this was her, she thought she'd, take this opportunity to give you I would I was a I oh don't my. know I don't know I don't know who knows who knows but also what kid no kid has ever done anything to deserve mm. that okay? um and and then it goes back to what is the power of what we say to mm. our children or, or to other people's children and also why are you a teacher you just, clearly just do not like a teacher <laughs> I mean if you can't like <laughs> baby Eileen like if you cannot like I knew child Eileen <laughs> you did right I wasn't that bad <laughs> But it is, oh, wow. so all these messages that we pick mm -hmm. up, you know, um, girl, I have so many Ooh. of those stories. One day I'll tell you them. Maybe, I, maybe I'll write two books. I'll write a comparison <laughs> book. But what, what, what other people tell you to believe in what you I, mean, I don't know. But anyway, but I've got, a, wow. I have a lot of those stories. And, but it is that thing of how then do you navigate the world when those messages mm -hmm. have been have been your your um your soundtrack they've your, been part of your yeah. map of life they've been mm. your soundtrack and, and, and they are the and they are the perimeters mm. and the boundaries mm -hmm. of your life and the thing is if i'm honest i know so mm -hmm. many black mm -hmm. women and not only black as a coach i work with so many women who have received similar mm -hmm. messages maybe not in the same form but have received these messages throughout their life and been told these mm -hmm. devastating things about who they are from parents, from, yeah. from teachers, from society, you know, they've just been told and they've experienced yeah. stuff. And then that, and, and that, you know, and I, I'm amazed at how resilient mm. and powerful and yes. wonderful women yeah. are. And I think that, I mean, I've got an example as well. It's not as, it's, it's not um, as shocking as yours, but, I just recently read a story about how um, a conservative right body is suing for racial discrimination, uh, a, a venture capital fund in America that's been set up specifically to provide funding to minority women in the US. And so they were talking to the founder and she says, you know, um, and what she describes is the same, that thing that I see when I'm coaching and mentoring African women in the startup, startup space which is that they are the most founded, they found the most businesses, and yet they are the least funded. Now, the statistic that's there from yeah. the US is that of all of the venture capital funding that goes out there, um, minority women take only 0.36% uh, of all funding that goes out there. And yet we know that black women found wow. businesses at a phenomenal rate. Now, that's been my experience as well. Yeah. And for the longest time, I, I think I almost 
could have let it be the thing that made me feel that I am not good enough. My business is not good enough until I started seeing the stats. Right. So there's a very, very clear argument in favor of bringing rational, bringing rational thoughts into your mind, but then also looking for the validation. I think Rehema mentioned the whole, what is the evidence? So looking the outside yeah, for the, the validation yeah. of, or evidence of what our internal thoughts are, because I'm telling you, I'm, Mm-hmm. And and I have to constantly say this to women as well to say it's hard out there. It it is difficult. The the harsh reality is that there is no, not enough funding for women who look like us, um, but that we just need to plug on. And I remember being part of a program where there was a young French um, dude who had been successful, who had successfully launched and sold a couple of businesses, and he was talking to us, and he said, it's grit, wit, and something else that matches with grit and wit. Yeah, that's all you need, blah, blah, blah. And I found myself getting angry because another angry, version of me would yeah. have been saying, I'm not, I don't have enough grit. I don't have enough wit. I don't, I'm not working hard enough. Yeah. Can, can I say, I did a talk many years ago to a group of women and I look back at that talk and I, I'm angry with myself, you know. I think how could, because I had bought into you know what, you decide, you just yeah. face up to, you know, all of those things and, and the messages and it's such it BS. And I told the guy, you know, I told like him, I told him what, there, yes, I did tell oh, him. Oh, you told him, call. well said, done, yeah. You're describing a different world, a different reality. First of all, you're in Europe, yeah. where there's a lot of money. Secondly, you're a young white man and you've been to the right schools, you've, you're, you move in the right circles. That's not the case. Like, understand your audience. Understand the people yeah. that you're talking to. Um, that's the day yeah. that I thought, okay, at least I don't have, I, I think I've found a little, I think I've found a beacon when it comes to my abilities as a, as a startup founder, as a business owner. And I was, I'm shedding a little bit of that imposter syndrome that comes from that. Right. But you know what you've just described is the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? I mean, with all his knowledge, he had no wisdom to actually Mm -hmm. read the room and understand other people's experience. And, you know, and I think that it really is. I think we have to acknowledge the the challenges that face face us in all things, you know, as individuals and, you know, as as women of color and communities and our children and actually really have that that compassion and, and that empathy towards mm-hmm. ourselves to say, you know what? I, and it goes back to, you know, what we've talked about and what we've seen with this whole season is these mm. incredible women. Yeah. They make me these smile. Incredible women. Yeah. And, and it's so, they make, they oh, fill yeah. me with so much joy. I'm, it, it's just mm-hmm. delight, you know? And I just think if we could for a moment, and I, I guess the mm-hmm. challenge is to everybody who's listening, if we could celebrate ourselves, as much as we're celebrating others and and see ourselves because i i mean i know none of those women sit at home and say i'm amazing right <laughs> i know they don't they not not in that sort of they all had to to search themselves and find their value and and, and choose to express themselves in this world and we celebrate them can we celebrate ourselves? Can we champion ourselves with that same intention, with that same love? You know, can we say of ourselves, look at her go, look at me go in this world, you know? And that's 
it would be so wonderful if we were able to really own ourselves, celebrate the ungrown up version of ourselves, you know, that that pure essence of who we are and know that we belong in this world and we're, we're bringing wonder to this world and there are obstacles along the way, but we are not them. It's been such a pleasure doing yeah. season one. It's been, it's been an, a pleasure and it's been an honor. It's been an honor to have women come and bear yeah. their souls to us and spend their time with us. And it's been an honor for us yeah. to, that you have spent the time with us to listen. And we're really, really hoping yeah. that you can uh, tune in and follow us for all of the other series that we have planned and we think we hope that you've had as much fun listening and spending time with us as we've had creating this podcast this amazing podcast look at what we did Eileen aren't we great <laughs> look at what we did <laughs> we are we are thank you for shining your beautiful light thank in the world and until next time, we are Soulfully Yours. Special thanks to Ayozi Apolodine for our artwork and Crack the Window for our theme music. This episode was edited by Marcus Root. Our website is soulfullypodcast.com. Check it out for show notes and links. Please subscribe to our podcast on most podcast platforms and watch us on YouTube. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we're Soulfully Yours.